Welcome to the Studio Talk podcast. I'm Xiomara Sosa, your co-host. Every week, we speak to our community members to teach them about mental health through education and awareness, and our hope is to inspire them through social change advocacy. We also interview community members and other mental health professionals, clinicians, healers, students, and wellness professionals. Our style is storytelling. Everyone has a mental health story to tell. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional and is not a substitute for psychological diagnosis or treatment. It's purely educational and purely social change advocacy. If you find yourself in any sort of mental health emergency or distress, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room. Hello everyone, this is Xiomara from Studio Podcast, um, Studio Talk Podcast. We are here after our holiday break that we've all had um, for a while and we're just sort of regrouping today. I'm here with Victoria and Lisa our other two co-hosts slash therapists. Um, And the topic for today that we decided we wanted to get into, and it's just going to be a real basic conversation um, about family caregiving and mental health. And we're not going to get into too many details, but one of the reasons why I thought this would be a good topic to kind of kick off the new year in our first podcast of the year with is because, as you all know, I've been doing family caregiving for my parents forever now, for almost two decades. And then Victoria's been experiencing some sort of caregiving-related situations that have come up in her life. And then recently, Lisa has had to deal with a pretty significant one. Sorry about that noise, guys. (laughs) It's just going to be part of our Saturday recording. Um, so, and then Lisa just recently, it was like when we recorded our last podcast, started experiencing some really serious caregiving situations with her parents who live out of state. And so over the holidays, she had to deal with that. So we're just like all now kind of regrouping and we thought it might be a good time for us to sort of cover the fact that therapists have to deal with these kind of real life issues. Caregiving is actually such a big part of our world and not really talked about very much and the mental health implications of it and what we all do. I've been doing it the longest so I I have a little bit more experience in terms of what happened with me with my mental health and what I um, thought I could do about it and what I ended up doing about it and what I still do about it just to kind of make sure that I take care of the toll that it takes on me and my family and then Lisa is beginning her journey so um, there's a lot going on there and then Victoria has had some issues that she's dealt with so we're just going to talk about in general how we each have experienced um, our mental health and what happens with that and what's going on with that and what we're feeling and how that's all going to change so here we go. Um, do you guys want to talk about your perspective first, or how do you want to? Do you want me to? Or? It's all you, Lisa. <laughs> Start with the new member. Um, well, the recent stuff that I've had to deal with. This is Lisa talking. Yes, this, hello, this is Lisa. <laughs> wow, the first thing that comes up is how I have to use some of the skills that I've worked with clients on using those skills on myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those stop skills of stop, take a deep breath, and Mm -hmm. don't immediately react to what you're seeing. 
I've had to implement that just a couple, you know, like a month ago, walking into a situation where you're seeing a parent that you're used to see so vibrant and, you know, you look up to them, Mm -hmm. seeing them all over the place, being active and energetic, and now they are just sitting there looking helpless. And, and in pain. And in pain, and which was the exact case in my situation. Uh, my father just not his normal self. So it was one of those moments where I'm like, okay, don't physically show how you are feeling in this moment. Take a deep breath because he can see you see him. Mm-hmm. You're not going to help by looking like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So... I was like, I went into therapy mode on myself. I became my own therapist. <laughs> like, okay. There are some benefits to the job. At, yeah, you know. And 100% <laughs> correct. I was yeah. like therapy mode on me. Like, okay, yeah. take a deep breath. Don't overreact to the situation. It warrants a reaction, but gather yourself. And I had to like... <sighs> I feel like you have to do that with your kids a lot too. It's kind of the same thing. Right? Yeah. Like, don't let them know that you're feeling overwhelmed right now. Right. Or, you know, and but, I'm, but that I'm used to doing that, yeah. you know, because I'm I have three kids and yeah. I've had to do that in various stages, but I've never had Different. to do that to a parent. Yeah. 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 So the total role reversal and I wasn't I wasn't comfortable in that moment. So mm. it was me providing therapy to me in a moment where I'm feeling yeah. like I just want to fall to the ground. I was like, I yeah. cannot believe that what I'm seeing. So do you feel like mm, that's probably a really personal question. Go Let for me it. see how. Okay, go for it. Do you feel like in the past you have been able to like go to your dad or like depend on him emotionally? Oh yeah. Like yeah, because I can imagine that is different. Like you're feeling all these things, and the person that you go to is the person that's kind of making you feel these things, and so you can't really absolutely. You know, like that's a lot to process all at one time. Like you know, and that's why I was so overwhelmed. But yeah. I was juggling and managing that because I'm the only girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and it was the whole, you know, what you see in the movies, the girl's just the spoiled one and she can do no wrong. That was my situation growing up. I could just, you know, the sky is purple today. Everybody, ladies, no, it's not. And my dad, like, yes, it is. She said it's purple. It's purple. Leave her alone. It was that. So now for me to see him not be the strong guy, yeah. you know, it's, he didn't like it either. Yeah. Like, whoa, there, my kids are seeing me like this that's a lot for both of you guys I'm sure to yeah. kind of figure out because like, yeah. like you said like I'm sure it's not comfortable for him either to be in that role too and that's what I was balancing as well yeah. like this is completely I felt so strange and then I'm like gosh imagine how he feels do you feel like you it's know? helpful to talk about those feelings with a parent like hey this is kind of strange <laughs> like <laughs> I'm kind of taking care of you now and how do you feel about that or is it more of just Slipping into those roles I think it, naturally. I think it depends on what your caregiving situation is. Like, as far as, like, my dad, he has dementia, right? So, but he has what I call mild dementia, mm-hmm. um, but it's still dementia. And so, half the time, I don't have to have certain conversations with him because it's just not even present in his mind. Mm-hmm. But before he got like that and he was aging and having other issues, because he, too, was, like, pretty healthy you know, most of his life. So I never had to deal with that except for the recent hospitalization. Right. But um, when I did try to do it before, like, the dementia was around and I did try to sort of do caretaking things and I tried to have these conversations with him, that would not work. It would not work. It, there would be a lot of resistance. What do you think I am? 
some child I'm not your yeah. child I am the father like you know like that kind of thing yeah. now he does it every now and again like if I'm if I'm helping him with his personal hygiene stuff or whatever and I'm like dad but I remember to use this wet rag you know whatever I'm not your dot your child I am not like he still does that but then he says which one should I use this one or this one mm-hmm. <laughs> at the same time so uh. he asserts himself <laughs> that he's not my child and not my whatever and like don't you forget me. that yeah <laughs> and then asks me so do you think is it this one is this the one you want me to use or is it this one no. did I use this one or like still yeah so it's very you have to read the like I have to read what cues he's giving for me to respond to and then also he does he's diff, it's different with different people right because so with me or you probably with mm-hmm. the daughter there are certain things that only I can do only he, I'm the only like it's I don't have to redirect him he just responds all that kind of stuff then if one of my brothers try oh yeah dating or whatever then it turns into like it's a whole different person we're dealing with that is my exact situation my brothers was like Lisa you you call daddy because he's not listening to us but he'll listen to you yeah so so I I think it really depends on if it's like with your dad it's not dementia is chronic illness at this point and it's painful and it's acute and Mm -hmm. it's probably going to be a long recovery Mm -hmm. and change of life and all that kind of stuff so that requires a different, in my opinion, in my experience, a different sort of um, strategy because you don't need to deal with his mind no. to get him. Like, if anything, you need to get him to feel like he's empowered, right? Yeah. In doing his own self care so that he doesn't feel like you're doing it for him and now he can't do anything for himself or whatever right. the situation is. Where, as with somebody else's dad, it might be some, someone that has dementia. They do want to feel like they're, if he needs, like I try to anticipate what he needs. So, like I know his, the big thing that I've recognized in being the caregiver of someone like that is that routine is super important. Yeah. That is so much more important than anything else. So, like waking up, me waking up at the same time and eating breakfast at the same time and getting him up at, everything being relatively the same when he eats, when he drinks, when he gets thirsty, when he takes his, like all that. As long as that happens and he goes to his programs and his aides are there at the same kind of time, which works for me because I'm ex-military, so I'm all about the structure. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like, I need to know when what's happening. And it works for him really well. When that goes, when that changes, just a day, it all goes to hell. Like, say one of my brothers show up or something like that and the whole day's changed because they do something different or whatever. I can see the repercussions of that that night. He yeah. won't sleep, he'll sundown, he'll this night. So, but I don't keep my, you know, his, my brothers or anybody from coming and, and doing that because that's also important for them too. And I try not to micromanage it. They don't like when I micromanage anyway. So, yeah. but I see, they don't see, they leave, they go home and they don't see how that does affect how he's sleeping that night. It keeps me up at night. Then he gets confused. Is he sundowning or whatever? And it isn't until I get him back into the routine the next day or the day after that. He kind of goes back to normal, and you don't even know like what's, what's yeah. happening. You know, so I think it really depends on what the illness is or what the situation is with the person that you're providing caregiving for. A little bit more than what your relationship actually might be. Yeah, I would imagine it gets a little bit complicated if the relationship prior to becoming the caregiver mm-hmm. for your parent has been strained. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. Then you probably have some resentment or anger towards that person while you're at the same time trying to take care of them. You know, um, I have some clients who uh, have been experiencing that, like 
with their parents. And it is hard because, you know, you feel like you need to take care of them, but I don't really like this person. So. And what if they've been your abuser your whole life? Or exactly. They were your abuser at once, or they've been neglectful, or it was just tumultuous, or whatever it was. I have clients that have gone through that too, and yeah. now they're sort of being forced into being primary caregiver or taken care of. And if you don't, with a vulnerable population like an elderly person, you can be get in trouble for that if you know that yeah. your parent is suffering and you're doing nothing about it. <laughs> like, yeah. You choose to not get them help because you don't get along with them or you don't whatever that. Well, how healthy is that for the caregiver to... It's not. Oh, yeah. It's not. And that's why, going back to what do you do for your own mental mm-hmm. health, for me, and I always, always, always make a, a really big push for this, I think it's really important that when caregivers become caregivers, that it is important for them to get counseling about their caregiving, like specifically about their caregiving and what all else can get triggered from that, like when my depression got triggered and all that kind of stuff. And the reason I say that is because just recently when I went for my annual my annual um, wellness check at the VA, right, which I hadn't done for a while, like since my mom passed away, I sort of neglected me, <laughs> you know, and like, oh, I'm too tired, I'm doing nothing. So I went back after about like a year or something, and I have a new doctor and everything. And when I mentioned I'm my dad's caregiver or whatever, and then I did not realize that there was a diagnosis for that. Like, I did not realize that there was like a IC code, whatever, <laughs> that they put in there, and like, you yeah. and like referred me to mental health. And I didn't what know was that a diag- Like, I was like, what? But I was relieved because I would have loved to have had that before because now I very specifically talk to a person about being like my mom having passed away and not having my dad to, to, you know, who they were together since 1952. So that Mm -hmm. was a whole lot of change, you know, for him and for me and everything. And you take on this role and like, what are you now, the wife now that you're doing? Mm -hmm. You know, like that, that kind of thing. But that was an actual... That was an actual sort of diagnosis code that she put in there because we get to see our records online. So I saw that and I was like, oh, she just referred me out for this very specifically. <laughs> and when my mental count, my mental health counselor was talking to me, that was the first thing. Well, I see here that you, and that's what we focus on a lot. So, not to say that I didn't do counseling and therapy before because I did, but that was never necessarily the big presenting thing that I would do. I would talk about if I'm depressed, if I'm depleted, if I'm this, if I'm you know, sibling issues, family issues, whatever, all other work issues, but so that I can caregive the best that I can, but I never actually came at it with caregiving issues. And now that's what I do. And this is almost two decades in. So information is power. And it's like the more information you learn as you go, the more empowered you feel about what you're doing. Because I'll tell you right now, it is a lie that this shit is easy because it's not. Yeah. Some of us are perceived to be strong and having it all together and like doing all this shit that other people can't do. Oh my gosh, she's so shy. No, I'm not. The thing is that it looks that way, yeah. right? Because I have to do it. And maybe I am strong. I don't know. I don't want to take that away from myself if that's the case. But I'm still human. It puts it's a lot still of pressure t- on you. Yeah, it's a lot yeah. of pressure on me. And especially being a therapist. And, and like, they're yeah. like, oh, you already know all this stuff. And yeah. it takes the, the accountability off of all the people around me mm-hmm. who should be stepping up and doing something else. Even if it's not necessarily for my parents, but for me as a person in their life. So bring me some dinner. <laughs> like, you know, I yeah. talked about this before. Um, see how I'm doing, uh, wash my car for me, you know, like mm-hmm. 
whatever, don't fight and argue with me. Instead, see how and what I might be. Am I sleeping enough? You know, like, do I feel okay? Am I getting to my doctor's appointments? Instead of always looking at it like you're the strong person who can always manage, you've always done that and you always have, and you're like the take charge person, and plus you're bossy and mm-hmm. yeah. you're controlling anyway, so you don't need us. And I, but to me, that's a way of others around us not taking accountability for what their role should be in helping you with your current situation. Yeah. Because I, it's not like you need them to do the caregiving for you that you do for the parent, because that's something that's a labor of love for me anyway. I don't have that issue, so my mental health isn't affected by, oh, I don't get along with my parents, and now I have to be right. their caregiver. That's a whole different reality that I can't speak to because I never, I, I didn't experience right. that. But I know I have a lot of clients who have, and it's really difficult, and I have a lot of empathy for them because I can't imagine having to be the caregiver of a person because even it's a labor of love for me that I love doing. I am very proud of it. I'm very, it's meaningful and don't make me feel some kind of way about what I'm doing kind of thing. You know, like, <laughs> I, I, I don't put up with that kind of kind of thinking. But I can see how that would be an issue for other people who don't have that kind of reality with their parents. And now they have to do all the doctor stuff and the feeding mm-hmm. stuff. And, you know, and like, if they have a chronic illness. In the, like, I can see how that would be resentful when this person was never there for you, treated you like shit, was abusive to you. You know, in all kinds of ways and whatever. And now you're the one that has to deal with their end of life. That can't be, that cannot be good for a person in terms of health. So I think having your own therapy, having your own counseling, having your own support group. I do have a caregiving support group specifically for dementia in town. Um, I was going to ask if you have any local support groups. Yeah. Um, And like I said, I was like one of those super prepare way before (laughs) shit happens kind of people. So I always sort of had information that I can go to when certain things came up, like when we noticed that was going on with my dad and all that. Um, and then also I had my family around. So, you know, like even if they weren't great at helping my parents necessarily, they were able to help me with something. Like if I need to take them to the doctor, then they can take care of the dogs or they Mm -hmm. can watch out for the package that needs to be full of something like that, you know, like, or take my car. Like that, that's very helpful. Those kind of things are very helpful. But burnout is the thing that, since we, we do want to talk about mental health and caregiving is the, the thing about caregiving that can happen and you don't even recognize that this happens. We talk a lot about burnout in our field in particular because in our field, you know, there's a certain amount of our emotional, we, we take a, our mental health and our emotional well-being takes a hit when we help other people every single day with their really deep, dark situations. And then we have to do a lot of rebuilding of that and re, re making sure that we don't get vicarious trauma and all that kind of stuff, but we get burnt out. And when we get burnt out, we need to know what to do about it. Um, caregiving, you get burnt out and it doesn't, and I am like the queen of resources. I will, <laughs> if there's a resource out there for me that I can use and figure out what to do with, I am going to kill myself trying to find that thing. Mm-hmm. And I have. But there's a lot of burnout that takes place anyway. Like, there's no way around it. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that I made with my mental health when I first started out is that I didn't prepare for my own burnout. I didn't prepare for my own depletion. I didn't prepare for my own anything. <laughs> like, I just thought, I I am so knowledgeable. I can figure out what to do with this yeah. and that and whatever. But, you know, at the end of the day... It's not okay to wait until you're completely burned out to do it because what that does is it takes longer for you to recover, right? It takes longer and then you 
you have no energy, you have no this, it takes a toll. And then it also takes a toll on the people around you when you're burnt out, because they're not used to seeing you like that. And now you're just one more person that they don't know what to do with. Yeah. Like, now they're worried about it, and then you're worried that they're worried about it. So, you know, I also find that psychoeducation, um, I saw this in this article and I thought it was great, psychoeducation and self-care. I did start doing that without realizing that that's what I was doing. Like when my mom first got sick with, with cancer, I started to do that. Um, and then now, of course, I do it with my dad. I think that at the beginning of any journey of caregiving for whoever you're caregiving for and whatever their, whether it's a disabled child or an aging parent or someone who's chronically ill or whatever, is definitely do some psycho, get some psych. If you go see a counselor and you don't want to see a counselor, about your feelings or anything like that, go see a counselor for psychoeducation about caregiving. Um, and I don't know if the audience is aware of what psych psychoeducation is a, a sort of an intervention that we have that we do. It's like, it's kind of like a treatment sort of thing. But what we do as therapists is if you come in and we diagnose you with depression, we like to do some education around that now to where that wasn't done before and people didn't understand the neuroscience with that or the psychosocial parts of that or the biology of that or the psychology and we do a lot of psychoeducation around that so that you can know what we mean when we say clinical depression as opposed to regular depression what to do about it where to read about it and so that you can help yourself and that it just not so scary and clinical sounding um, so I think like with caregiving when you get the psychoeducation about it especially in the issue that you're dealing with like with you with your specific dad issues that you're having mm -hmm. and if you're having certain situations in your family then those are the things that you want to get and then I get very specific ones around my dad and his situation that goes a long way in dealing with burnout like it really helps with your mental health and really makes you feel too like even if shit goes sideways and you can't do anything for them anymore, you did the best that you could with the knowledge that you had. Well, you well, you both have experience, um, well, with clients and maybe personal. But do you think there's a difference in the level of burnout that you might get mm -hmm. if you're dealing with, uh, as a female, dealing with a female family member or your mother mm -hmm. versus being a female and working with a male family member? Do you think there's a difference in the level of burnout? I think for me, yes. I don't I don't know that that's the same case yeah. for everyone. I haven't experienced too many clients that have been self-aware enough about that yeah. to really have any insight about it. But I do, like my population is women, women identify non-binary people, so I do get a lot of how being in the world as that identity mm -hmm. affects your mental health and everything and anything, your jobs, you and all that kind of stuff. So I, I am of the opinion that yes, it does. <laughs> and you have to be kind of culturally aware of how that does. In my case, I can only speak to the fact that it, because I'm Puerto Rican and Dominican and I was raised watching my parents caregive for my grandmother until she passed away and she lived with us and then all of my first cousins did it with their moms and their dad and they helped me with my like it's just the way of life that we all did so there was never a we don't do this kind of added kind of thing mm -hmm. but with my non-latino friends here in the united states it's complete opposite right so i didn't experience that with them whether it was their mom or their dad they yeah. sort of just 
kind of did. It, just, it was the same. Funny, yeah. But in my in my culture, in my family, in my specific reality, I, yes, I think that I have noticed that the burnout with mom versus dad comes differently. With my mom, for me, it took a long time to show up. It took a really long time to show up. Um, I don't know necessarily what... I mean, it's the relationship that I guess we had. It's also the gender. It's a whole lot of things. But with my dad, it showed up right away. Yeah. Like, I was burnt the fuck out. I had to close down, you know, the office, and I had to go break down somewhere and, like, really get help real fast about it because my reaction to him was completely different. Yeah. And my, I don't think that I'm as prepared, <laughs> like, with him, with the dad, as I was with mom. Mm-hmm. And she, her thing was worse. Like, yeah. well, I don't, I don't mean worse, but it was more physical. Like, yeah. I can see the cancer eating heart, like, that kind of thing. Where with him, he looks fine. Like, he looks fine for an 87-year-old guy, you know? And he acts like nothing's wrong with him or whatever, but he does have cognitive issues that we do have to, you know, be careful with him. He, he needs to not be alone ever. Yes, I think it, it can make a difference. Yeah. And I, But I think, again, the psychoeducation part is what really really can make a difference in how your burnout burnout shows up and how you can recover from it and how you can recognize that that's what you're feeling because it's very challenging to to recognize the difference between I am just like doing that thing what is it called um when you're grieving before anticipatory grief mm-hmm. when you know your mom's mm-hmm. gonna die but she hasn't died yet so you've been doing like that whole anticipatory grieving thing for a long long time I'm not necessarily doing that with my mom with my dad but with my mom I was you were and didn't yeah. recognize that that's what it was you know that I was doing so that by the time your grieving grieving comes along it's a whole different reality but anticipatory grief can lead to burnout and it did I was by the time my mom passed away I was so burnt out I was so not just by the the experience of that, but the experience of the people around me burned me out. Like, my people burned me the fuck out. You know what I mean? Like, they really did. Like, they really did some shit that made me go, what in the holy hell is wrong with you? Like, you're feeling like I'm maintaining all of this yeah. and I have to maintain you too? And now I have to deal with, you know, like, even if I'm the bad guy here, you still need to be the bigger person and say, oh, that's Yolanda has a lot going on right now. She's probably burned out. Let me just not be that person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so you, you, you deal with that, but you, you learn. And I just don't think that is anything. If, if you're ever going to be prepared to be your parents' caregivers, I think that my Puerto Rican and Dominican culture does a really good ass job at that. Back at home, they do that. And even when they come here to the States and they try to go on with that sort of teaching kind of thing, they do a really good job of preparing you for that. And even that's not enough. Yeah. You know why? Because our society isn't necessarily built for that shit here. Mm. Like, we are not built for... Like, in the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico, you do have your whole goddamn village around. So, like, when you're burnt out and you're tired, the lady across the street is bringing you the sopa to eat, and the other two ladies' cousins come and do whatever they need to do so that you can go take a shot. Like, it's not even, like, called caregiving. It's just life. Yeah. You know, Doña So-and-so is sick, so, like, the whole... Everybody knows what to do. Here, it's like a whole thing. You it's know? much more individualistic here. <laughs> Very you know, individualistic. Instead of what it's like, collective. 
community, you know, we're really focused on especially white people. We definitely are very guilty of this. We're just really focused on our nuclear family. Yeah. Right. It's husband, wife, and then children. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's not really connected, you know? And I don't think we prepare until it's in our face. And, and then, then there's we're resentment like, and there's judging and there's all kinds yeah. of weird shit. And I'm only coming at that from the perspective of, of course, even though my family is Korean, you know, I have siblings and family members who married non-Latino people, you know? And the freaking problems that that brings because they have a completely different perspective and Mm -hmm. expectation and opinions and whatever the hell about what should and shouldn't be getting done in the whole caregiving Mm -hmm. arena of your family which is beyond me because I'm not in their family but you know they're in my family now and so that creates a whole thing that you don't expect and it does but you're right it's like we're not set up for that here we and we don't set people up for that and we don't have systems set because how do you have a nine-to-five job and your kids and your family da, 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 and then now you have your aging grandparent and your aging mom and your, yeah. all of that you can barely raise your own kids yeah much less so it's, it's very scary but statistically we're I, I just think that we and the reason why this is such an important conversation is because Caregiving looks different for different people, but it's happening. You're either going to need caregiving, be a caregiver, or not forget what the other one is. Like, there's no way out of how this is going to affect you. So we do need to be prepared for it one way or the other. Um, but there's a statistic. Let me see if I can find it. One of the biggest things like that I've, I've come to realize. It's, I mean, this is pretty new for me, but just taking a moment to really realize this is the cycle of life. Yeah. And... Yeah, you don't yeah, want yeah. that, you know, you like, wow, I'm the kid. Now I'm taking care of, looks like I'm yeah. in that process of having to take care of a parent. Don't like that. Yeah. No, you it's know? a whole existential thing. That goes yeah, on. I'm, yeah, I'm great. I can take care of my kids all day long. I mean, yeah. they're not, they're kind of grown now, but, yeah, but still, they're always your kids but, they're, but they're, <laughs> I, you know, that's the process. I'm supposed to take care of them. Mm-hmm. I have parents and I was like, wait a minute, I have to step in and do stuff for them. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm looking at their finances and I'm making decisions. You're moving and you're going to go here. And like, wait a minute, when did this happen? Yeah. I, I'm in charge of that now. Yeah. And I think it's important to acknowledge like, this is weird. You know, so weird. It is. I'm uncomfortable with this. Yeah. It's strange. I don't like it, but it's here and I have to deal with it. I have to know? deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and then you have to deal with the healthcare system, which really messes with your mental health. <laughs> you know, when you have yeah. to deal with what's what. And um, I'll tell you, if I didn't have, and the only reason I knew is because of the career field I was in at the time, but what to try to get in place for them, like the Medicare gap and, you know, whatever insurance, like all of those things in place before they get sick to the point where they need whatever it is that yeah. they're going to need so that you're not running around trying to figure out how to get these services for them was a big deal. It was kind of a blessing to be in Florida doing this before I moved to South Carolina to do this because Florida is a state that as much as I have a lot of shit to talk about Florida right now, (laughs) I really do. The one thing that I can say that they did very well is they put their money into the aging population and the help that's, that's, well, they've got a lot of the down services there. Yeah. and all that kind of stuff, and and the the society because it's so multicultural is set up. So, like, I was living in a place where I had none of my family lived there. 
well, yeah, my family lived, you know, like half an hour away or whatever. But like in my neighborhood, they weren't my family. But it was like they were my family because anytime anything happened to my mom and dad, every neighbor around there came over to do something and help. So, so that sort of was there because that ethnic sort of thing was there. But here in South Carolina, we don't have that part going on. And we also don't have a government that necessarily puts the funding into the programs that are going to be needed for the people who are doing the caregiving for the people who are aging and then if you don't know how to do it it becomes incredibly problematic to try to get it for them and that creates more stress on your mental health and on the people around it's, it's like a, a vicious circle yeah. you know so so I think you know the self-care and the psychoeducation is a really big big part of taking care of your mental health when you're going through this really understanding from the very beginning talk is cheap there's going to be people that are going to say, I'm going to be there for you, I'm going to help you, and they're not going to be there, and they're not going to do shit for you, and they're going to make you feel some kind of way about the fact that you want them to, mm-hmm. or that you expect them to, or that you're doing it. So don't be shocked about that, because I was shocked about that. Um, now I'm not anymore. You know, it's like the people who are going to be there for you to help you out and support you in whatever kind of way it is that they're going to help you are just going to be there. It's not going to be full of drama. It's not going to have all these conversations and arguments that need to take place, all this justification on all this, what is it that my niece called it once, um, inventory taking <laughs> of each other. To, like, those people, if they're going to do that, they don't need to be there for you because that's not your mental health that they're looking out for. Even if they are invested in making sure that the person you're caregiving for is well taken care of and all that, part of that has to be that they take care of the caregiver too. That the caregiver is taken into consideration because that's a person that the person you love is depending on. So you need to make sure that that person is cool. Mm-hmm. So if you're not doing that, then you're not taking care of your loved one. You're really not. You're making it harder on that person. So so just don't be surprised because that kind, that kind of stuff, that kind of reality in life, watching people go down that road of death and dying and all that stuff brings out some stuff in people around yeah. you. It really it brings out stuff in you. It brings out stuff in people around you that you cannot be prepared for. So you have to always just sort of like understand that people are people and everybody has their weaknesses and everybody has their strengths. And you have to be from the very beginning, very strong about being able to say, okay, thank you. That's not serving me. I need to go in this direction here and it's going to break your heart and it's going to make you hurt all kinds of ways and you're going to be the bad guy, but it's not helping you do this incredibly hard job that you have to do. You know, it's just giving you an extra thing to worry about and fight about. So don't do that. Get rid of that. Um, And have your support system in place, man. Like really have your support system. Figure out what your support system is. Is it the support group? Is it the counselor? Is it the psychoeducation classes? Is it the doctor's office and everything that they're telling you whatever it is that you need to do to make sure you have that support system in place for me a lot of it is being able to be alone because I don't get a long time <laughs> I didn't was getting a whole lot of a little time so being able to have downtime to myself yeah. was part of my support system so I had to have people around me that can help that you know for you it's going to be a lot different because you're yeah. going to be doing out of state yeah I do live in yeah it's very very different one of the things I had to tell myself was because now we're talking about making sure that they have a living will Mm -hmm. and that the will is updated and all of that. But then I have to realize that doesn't mean that I'm planning for the inevitable. Mm -hmm. I'm not, we're just being prepared as everybody should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you don't want that. It's like, 
talk about uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's necessary. That. Those are necessary conversations. Very necessary conversations. And people get, I mean, and, you know, you take other people's mental health into consideration too, because for me, I was to where the very first thing that I did with my parents was stop saying that you're going to give us everything when you die. Like use it while you're alive. Like, yeah. Let's use it for you while you're alive to take care of you. Like stop. Yeah. We don't sell your property in the Dominican Republic. I don't want to be fighting with every cousin on the planet about whose property. Cause that happens out there or with my siblings or whatever, mm-hmm. sell it and use the money while you're alive here. And while you get sick and you're dying. And that's exactly what their money. Th- those are the literal yeah. conversations we're yeah. having now. Like, no, don't, yeah. we're not saving anything. Yeah. You're, you're going to get, you're going to get better. Yep. And you're gonna, we're gonna take all these trips that you know. We're not saving stuff for people. We're we're good, you know. Yeah. So yeah, that's like, that's good for my mental health them. too to say those things it to is. them. <laughs> and it takes the burden off of you because when my mom died, there was no probate. There was no probate. There was no nothing that we had to deal with because before she died, she made sure that there yeah. was nothing at all whatsoever that anybody was ever gonna be worried about having except for like her clothes in her closet and like yeah. her chunk lies under the bed or something like that, but <laughs> money and insurance and all that kind of stuff. She got rid of all of that stuff and we use it on her and her health and her everything. Right. And that confused some people and some people didn't like it. Some other people were like, Oh my God, this is the way to do it. Cause we yeah. don't have to deal with any of this shit, you know? Um, but those are conversations yeah. you're going to have to have and your mental health is going to be for the better yeah. for having those conversations. So deep breath out of that one. <laughs> we're probably going to do some more um, caregiving episodes for different topics mm-hmm. that's related to caregiving because mm-hmm. I think this is just like a beginning of a big conversation about caregiving and in particular that therapists in general also have to go through this and what better way than to have people learn about how we do it for ourselves mm-hmm. and how we fuck up when we're doing it and how we really kind of overcome a lot of it too I think that these are great conversations for people to understand that it happens to the best of us and there are ways to get through it yeah right, right. I agree yeah I should probably get a therapist. Yes. You should get a therapist. Everybody looks at me like, wait a minute, you're a therapist and you don't have a therapist? Yeah. <laughs> and I strongly recommend that you do get all my therapists, colleagues, one. friends say the same thing to me. Like, are you kidding me right now? Yeah, you need a therapist. <laughs> I didn't have one for like yeah. eight months and my own clients were getting on to me about it. Yeah. Like, you're still going to therapy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. They're like, after listening to me for an hour, you need to go talk yeah. to someone. I know. Yeah. Like, it's important. Hmm. And I know. caregiving is going to take a toll on you. So, yeah. so that's definitely, even when you do everything right and everything goes smooth, it's still such a major yeah. thing. Even, be, I mean, before all of this stuff, yeah. just in general. Yeah. It's, I mean, I recommend it. So then why am I not taking yeah. my own You're advice? Take care of the caregiver. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's a great way to end the, the episode. <laughs> I wish I could take care of the caregivers buttons to, so we can do the applause. Applause, 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 applause. Yay! <laughs> All, All right. right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Um, we are going to close the episode right now on that note. And definitely give us your comments, your thoughts, your questions. And if you're experiencing any kind of caregiving situation, even if it sounds different from ours, we'd love to hear about it and have conversations about it. So. Take care of your mental health. Bye. Absolutely. Bye, guys. Hey, everyone. Victoria here. Thanks for listening to Studio Talk. We hope you enjoyed our conversation into all things related to mental health. 
As always, you can head over to Studio Talk on YouTube or on Xiomara's website at thex-studio.org, where you can click on the podcast tab on the top menu. Sign up for our email list is there, as well as check out all the links and resources, including Xiomara's website, in the show notes. That's all for this episode, and we hope to see you next time. If you are experiencing any psychological distress, please call 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.